Myself eight years ago, seeing what I've seen, knowing what I know, I would tell that quiet kid there'll be days ahead when it doesn't sense. I would tell him he can trust your hand, cause now I got a picture of the greater plan. I can see with perfect clarity, it wasn't tragedy, it was what I need. I couldn't see it then, but now I understand. Every step of the way. Standing in the place I'm in it Took a little faith to see Gotta chase the dream that you placed in me Never thought I would be praying the prayers I prayed Never thought I would be saying the things I say But you've been with me Every step of the way I know 
Good morning and welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song? In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the world, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. to all of you, whether you're in the house or online, we are thankful that you are with us in worship. And uh, I know we have guests here today. Welcome, welcome. I'd like to get to know you somehow, some way. Uh, if you are here on the campus, you can actually stop in the family gathering area at Next Steps 
and we would like to meet you, greet you, and uh, we have a gift for you. If you'd rather do it the digital way, in person or even online, feel free to text 1C guest to 94000. And uh, also, if you're on Facebook Live, you can just, you know, put your name and say, hey, I'm a guest, and we'd love to connect with you in many different ways. Also, we're going to have prayer time a little bit later, so if you have a prayer request, you can let those prayer, prayers be known by either filling out a slip of paper that can be found out in the family gathering area, or you could text to 402-242-5051, and those prayers will be included in today's worship. We will also have the Lord's Supper, or Holy Communion as it's known, um, a little bit later in the service. And here at 1C, we believe it's, yes, bread and wine, but also the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. So if that is uh, what you believe, we invite you. In fact, we encourage you to join us. And if you didn't get your elements before the service, during the next song, be a really good time for you to go into the family gathering area by the kitchen, and you could get those elements. Also, we're going to be having uh, a recognition of graduates. If so if you have graduated on any level, we're going to recognize you, pray for you, celebrate you, and at the end of the sermon, we'll invite you to come right up over here, and we will pray, pray for you, and pray God's blessings. Also, for those of you that are uh, members or regular attenders, you may have received an email from us about moving back to normal, and what that means is on June 6th, we're going to start taking strides to, um, to put COVID-19 in the rearview mirror, and we're going to make some movement. So example, we're going to be having the Lord's Supper offered two different ways. You can continue to pick up your elements, have it in your seat, and just receive communion there. But we're also going to go back to continuous distribution where you get to come forward and receive those elements, and we'll explain more later on how that'll be done. But that'll be coming um, soon. Uh, also, we have um, uh, the nursery. We call it the nursery, but we're going to treat it like a cry room. And what that means is the doors will be opened, they'll, it'll be sanitized in there, and parents with children, you can make your way in there during the service if you so like. And then afterward, after every service, we'll make sure we have cleaning protocol and uh, try to be, uh, again, COVID-19 conscious during this time. Uh, so that'll be starting June 6th. And then, ready for this? Cookies and coffee. It's like one of the first things I experienced on a Sunday morning when I came to visit was the smell of cookies. But even more than that, I saw fellowshipping. People hanging around, having coffee, having cookies, having conversation. So we're going to move back and we're going to have some um, protocol with that. So you'll, you'll notice when, we, when you come on June 6th, but we're going to be doing that. So be ready for that. And last but not least is we're going to be having our summer camp. Last year we were all ready to do it, but COVID, we just decided not to. So that'll be starting soon. So please pray for the summer camp as we take over our campus and we welcome kids of all ages. And if you know of anyone that would be blessed by that ministry, please give the church office a call or go on our website and we'd love to get more information. All right, a lot of, lot of things, but uh, we're here to worship our Lord and celebrate his goodness. Let's continue. Mm -hmm. 
peace Bring it all to peace The storm surrounding me Let it break At your name Still Call the sea to still The rage in me to still Every way At your name Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus You silence fear Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus Call these bones to bleed Call these lungs to see Once again I will praise Jesus Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus You silence fear Jesus Jesus You make the darkness Jesus, Jesus Your name is the light that the shadows can't deny Your name cannot be overcome Your name is alive forever lifted high Your boys and girls I am dressed and ready for an adventure because I heard we're going out today I don't know where we're going but hey, we're going to a zoo have you ever been to a zoo raise your hand if you've been to a zoo all right a lot of you've been to a zoo they're fun aren't they you can go and see some cool animals but the only bad thing is that there's there's glass or walls or fences or moats to keep us away from the animals and the animals away from us hmm. how about a safari have you ever been on a safari? Have you been, anybody been on a safari? A few people have been on a safari. Those are fun because you get in your car and you drive out and you get to see animals in their natural habitat. Um, you can even roll down your windows if you want, but watch out for the giraffes because they have long, slimy tongues. And they're pretty gross. But you know what? The bad thing about that is you have to stay in your car 
You can't get out and walk with the animals and spend time with them. And you have to stay on the road and keep driving because there's other people coming too and you don't want to hold everybody else up. And sometimes the animals don't come up close, so you have to have binoculars so that you can look out and see the animals. And I want to get close to the animals. Hmm. Maybe, maybe there's a place we could go camping. Camping out in the wild where we can pitch a tent and we can be right with the animals and touch them and spend time with them. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Um, you know what? I don't think that's the type of outreach we're talking about today. I don't think we're supposed to be reaching out to animals. We're supposed to reach out to people. But sometimes we treat it like we're going to the zoo or to the safari, don't we? Sometimes we'll, we'll make sure that there's a wall up or there's distance between us and people so that we don't have to get too close. And maybe if we treat it like a safari, we'll go out where people are. That's a good thing. But we won't spend much time there. We'll stay in the safety of our car, not get close, and really get to know people. That's not good. Maybe we should treat it more like camping, right? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't stay in heaven a far way, way away, separated him from us. But he came to earth for us. He came close. But he didn't stay in the safety of like a car, did he? He didn't stay in a safe place, but he was willing to, to sacrifice for us. And John chapter 1 verse 14 says that the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. That's Jesus. That's what Jesus did for us. He took on flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. He got close. He, he touched people. He spent time with people, got to know people, and loved people up close and personal. And I think that's the way Jesus wants us to reach out to people too. Will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands and bow our heads and you can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us and coming close to love us. Help us to share your love with others as we get close to them too. Amen. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus You can have all this world Just give me Jesus When I am alone When I am alone
that song over the years and the truth behind that song is of all the things that we need while we live on this earth and for eternity it's Jesus and it's really drawn to the the truth that we find in God's word God's word says you and me fall short of the glory of God in other words you and me we struggle with sin and that sin would separate us from God for eternity. And God did not want that. So he gave us Jesus so that we can have forgiveness, so we can have hope, and we can have life now and for eternity. So let's go to him now in prayer, confessing that sin and acknowledging his love for us. Good and gracious God, we come to you and we are thankful that you, you understand us. You understand our condition called sin. And thank you for giving us Jesus. And thank you for all that he did when he came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He sacrificed his life on a cross. He was placed into a tomb. And we give thanks to you that that same Jesus rose again on the third day. Payment for sin has been received Victory for life is now ours. May your spirit remind us day in and day out often of what we have received because of your love through your son Jesus in whose name we pray, amen. Looking back to the other side I can see now with open eyes Darkest water and deepest pain Wouldn't trade it for anything Cause my brokenness brought me here 
seminary oh, some 30 some years ago I'll never forget when they they said something that got my attention they said the pinnacle of a worship service the top is holy communion and it took me a while to kind of wrap my mind around it. I was thinking well you know there's great music it's like that's pretty cool um, there's the sermon, there's kids' message, there's, I mean, all these different elements that go on. Why is it that this is really the pinnacle? This is a very personal time when God meets man. The body and blood of Jesus for people like you and me. I hope you uh, maybe think about that from now on whenever we come together, whenever we celebrate this sacrament and this meal, 
Think about the grace of God coming to you and to me no matter what you're going through. That's how personal it is. So if you would, take the elements out at this time. And as I do every week, I share the scripture where we find this instructed to us, right? The institution of this meal. And then after that, I'll invite you to take each element individually. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you. This cup is the new testament of my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. If you would, take the bread and take and eat, this is the body of Christ given for you. If you would, take the wine or the juice and take and drink, this is the blood of Jesus shed for you. And now, may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Father, we just thank you that we're able to come to you with everything that weighs upon us. Prayers for my wife who is struggling with her new chemo treatments, that she may find peace and comfort in the hands of the Lord prayers for my children who are going through trials, prayers for my grandson Noah for strength and guidance, prayers for my son and guidance for him who is struggling with several things, prayers for our graduates that you just bless them, those from high school and the college. Father, we just lift up all of our graduates to you and thank you for their accomplishments and that you just continue to guide them. Father, we just thank you for all the prayers that are spoken and the ones unspoken that are on our hearts. For you know what we need even before we speak it. And we just thank you, Lord, that we can come to you and that you hear us. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We continue this journey, uh, the series entitled Community Matters. And if, if you remember, there's kind of two meanings to the phrase or to the title. Um, community really does matter. That's, that's one way to look at it. And another way that I've often said it connected to that is we are better together. When we are the community of faith that God has called us to be, it really makes a difference. Second part of that when we look at it is what specific parts of community are really important. And we have been on this journey and we've been talking about 
uh, worship and learning together, and this week we're going to talk about reaching out. But for the third week in the row, I'm going to put in front of you something I came across that it, it just has captured me. And it goes into the Old Testament, it goes to Isaiah chapter 33, and it is the phrase, the fear of the Lord is a treasure. And remember, we've been unpacking this, we've been talking about it. Fear, fear is not just being afraid of something. An example for me, I am afraid of snakes, spiders, and bats. I am, you know, I just don't like them. I remember one time I was walking out to take the garbage. Uh, this is in Arizona, taking the garbage out. I come around by the little gate. You should know this, Arizona people. I'm walking around, and I come, and I look down, and there's a snake. I literally jumped out of my flip-flops backwards. My shoes were left right there. Not a good thing. Or another time when I was um, going to get on my motorcycle. So I'm, I'm just coming like this. I'm putting my leg up and over, and I see a snake coiled up in my engine. I jumped off the motorcycle faster than I was going on. Kind of threw my back out. Or another moment where um, we were, my first call was in Iowa, and we were, the bedrooms were up on the top floor, and Kristen and I were sleeping, and one of the kids comes into the room, and they say, hey, what's that bird flying in, a, in your bedroom? Well, I opened my eyes, I looked, and it was a bat. And every macho guy would probably do what I did. Went under the covers and said, Kristen, you got to do something about this. <laughs> Ron, you with me, brother? Amen. It's not the fear that we're talking about. It's not the fear that Isaiah is putting before you. Rather, it is a sense of awe, reverence, and trust in God, right? So the fear of the Lord, awe, reverence, and trust. And then he uses the word treasure. And I've asked you to please try, if you could, get the pirate movies out of your mind. We're not talking about gold doubloons or, you know, that kind of treasure. We're talking about something that is eternal, something that changes one's life forever and ever and ever and ever. It's about salvation. It's about redemption. It's about the God of the universe loving somebody like you and me. That's a treasure. And so what we find in Isaiah saying the Lord, you know, when, when we have the fear of him like that, it is a treasure. So, and here's what you've been hearing. The more I fear the Lord, the better my worship will be. So when we have more awe and reverence and trust, we're going we're gonna to worship him like none other. And remember, worship is not limited to the four walls of a church. Worship is wherever you are when you acknowledge the creator, when you have that sense of awe and reverence and trust. Um, also, last week we talked about this, the more I fear the Lord, the better my learning will be. And specifically this, when we have a sense of awe and reverence and trust, we are going to look into God's word more intently than before. You know, while we can go to Google to find lots of answers for life, there is nothing like God's word for us. 
And when we fear him, we are going to be more intent in looking in his word than we've ever done before. And then thirdly, this is the, for this week. The more I fear the Lord, the better my reaching out will be. The more I realize what God has done for me and I'm in a sense of awe and reverence and trust, the more I'm going to want that for other people because it's the greatest thing ever. And our passion for the lost will increase the more fear we have of the Lord. All right? And then the last one just kind of summarizes it together. The more we fear the Lord together, the more powerful his church will be. I just want you to let that sink in. When we do this thing together, when we worship, when we learn, when we reach out, when we are the church that God wants us to be as a corporate body, we're going to be more powerful, we're going to be more dangerous, and really, the devil better watch out. Because honestly, us doing this together is God's idea. He didn't create us to be isolated and alone. He wants us to be together for a purpose, to glorify him and to further his kingdom. All right, with that in mind, uh, Blake, if you would come on out here and as Blake gets ready, uh, he's going to read the scriptures for us from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 into chapter 6, a little backdrop to this. Because I want you to take this portion of scripture personally. I want you to sit here today and say, yes, I understand this was written 2,000 years ago by somebody named Paul. That's cool. But I want you to have a really big view of who God is. That the message and this letter that was written to a church in Corinth 2,000 years ago, God had the foresight that a church in Columbus, Nebraska, or wherever you are today online, these words God was thinking for you and for me. So please listen to these words because they really are for you and for me. Blake. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Since then we know that it is to fear, what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. 
and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Thank you, Blake. So Paul is speaking uh, a little context. Remember, at one time, Paul's name was Saul. At one time, Saul was a Christian killer. That was his, well, calling in life, so to speak. And uh, he was relentless. I mean, wherever he heard the gospel being shared, he wanted to go with his contingency and, and go kill people. I mean, it, that's just what he wanted to do. But something happened in his life. And I think we get a little glimpse of it in the first words that we heard. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So, when I was reading this, I, I, you know, I was just wondering what was going through Paul's mind when he's inspired by the Holy Spirit and he's writing this down. And was he thinking back in the Old Testament? Because remember, a Pharisee, he, he, was, he, he knew the, the word of the Lord. He knew the Old Testament. Was he thinking about Moses back then, maybe? Maybe? Moses, as he's coming upon the burning bush, Moses having a sense of fear because it was a sense of awe and trust and reverence. I mean, was that what was going on? Maybe. Or maybe, maybe was Paul thinking about his own experience. When he was getting ready to go to Damascus, okay, this is when he was still Saul, he's making his way to Damascus and he meets the Lord. I mean, he is knocked over. I mean, his, I mean it was a sight to be seen and Paul's life was changed. Is that what he means? Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. I, I think that's what it's getting at. He knows the Lord. He knows what's going on. And he is now thinking that there are other people out there that need to know this fear of the Lord. Need to know how awesome God is. How we can go before him with a sense of reverence and, and honor, but also that we can trust him with everything. So he knows that, he's come to that realization, and now he starts out this section, it's a missionary section, to say, hey folks, if you've got this fear of the Lord, we've got to persuade others, because there are people dying not knowing Christ. Let me take you back to verse 10 so you kind of get a picture. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so he's saying here, heaven and hell are in the balance of life. You've come to know heaven through Jesus. But there are people out there that do not know this yet. And he says this boldly, thinking back on that verse 11, the fear of the Lord, because of that, knowing that, if you know that, we then are to persuade others about this good news of Jesus. Okay. This is part of the motivation for Paul. This is what moved him to go from town to town to town to town. I mean, theologians will look back on his three missionary journeys that he took. There was not, there wasn't Amtrak back then. The transportation industry didn't exist. And so the, 
theologians will say for the amount of miles that he traveled and the number of people that he impacted was nothing less than a miracle. He was moved by something. So I think part of it is fear. I think he understood. He understood that humanity is pretty slow to this. Here's a, a, com- a commentary that I came across. I think it, it says it so well. When our God is so small and our sense of self is so large, we fear God so little that we seldom sense the seriousness of our sin and we sense the seriousness of our sin so little because we seldom fear God. And that's what we're fighting up against. And whether it's somebody who's not known or met Jesus or even ourselves today, Jim Thielen does not fear the Lord that the way he should. I get busy, I get distracted, I get lazy, and I need to be reminded. So would you do me a favor and remind me? You know, if you see me along, up on the street somewhere, hey, you fear in the Lord? I mean, I know that seems a little silly, but I think we need each other to keep that in front of us. That to have a sense of awe and reverence and trust will change our life to the fact that we're going to be motivated to do what, well, the Bible's telling us to do. All right, that's one part of the motivation. There's another one, and, and I really love this. He touches on it. He goes like this. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. So the fear of the Lord is part of the motivation. The other is the love of Christ. And he says something that's a little interesting, which then caused me to kind of take a step back and look into the original language, because sometimes Paul will say something and it just, it's kind of out there, so you need to kind of study it a little. So here's what the word, well, control means. It could mean to hold together, to constrain, and to compress. So we could just go fly by it and says the love of Christ controls us. But there's something to this that's a little bit more intense than that. I think what Paul is saying is what gets his what floats his boat, trips his trigger, what gets keeps him going for what he's doing is the love of Christ. When we think about all that Jesus did 2,000 years ago, and for Paul, it was what Jesus did just a couple years ago, it does something to him. It turns his world upside down. His motives for living, his reason for existing is now different because of the love of Christ. So let me, I'm going to ask the question. It's begging to be asked. Does the love of Christ control us in such a way that we are compelled to serve him? I'm going to read it again. I want you to take it personal. I want you to maybe feel uncomfortable because I think that's what God's word sometimes does. Does the love of Christ control us in such a way that we are compelled to serve him? Now, what does that look like? 
It means, I'm going to tell you this, and this is, a, again, a Jim Thielen confession time. I have point A, and I have point B. And sometimes in my world, all that matters is that I go from point A to point B. And I know there are times when God wants to introduce something in between A and B. But I'm so controlled, some of you know, 7 o'clock means 7 o'clock for me. Sometimes I am so controlled by Jim Thielen that I miss the Holy Spirit's calling. So again, listen to that. Does the love of Christ control us in such a way that we are compelled? It's, it's what keeps us up at night. It's what gets us up early in the morning. It's what causes us to be alert and attentive to opportunities because we know that heaven and hell are in the balance for our, some of our family members, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, um, our classmates, people we come into contact with at a store, are we so compelled or controlled by the gospel that we're on alert at all time? Okay, so motivation, folks, motivation. Now, I'm going to tell you the means. How are we able to do this? How are we able to shift from, quote, Jim Thielen-focused to God-focused? Paul addresses it, verses 18, 19. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled to us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So how we're able to even do this. How Paul was able to make these three really big missionary journeys to all sorts of people and to bring the gospel and how people like you and me can be so compelled that we're looking. We're looking for opportunities to share the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. And that it is such... Such a, such a thing that's on our heart that we're moved by it. So, motivation, fear, and love. Means it's from God. He's the one that's going to plant it in your heart, this calling. But now Paul touches on the urgency. He doesn't want to leave it to chance for people like you and me to say, okay, well, whenever it's convenient, I'll share Jesus. He doesn't let that land. He says it this way in verses 1 and 2. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Wouldn't tomorrow be better? According to God's word, now means now. And I think Paul, again, by the Holy Spirit's prompting, 
is trying to push people like you and to have more of an urgency than ever before. Those first two words that we saw there, working together. Um, uh, once again, you, you take the original language, and sometimes it's one big long word, but it's really two Greek words put together so that we understand. And so he takes two words for the words working together. And I don't think we want to overlook, I mean, the whole phrase, working together in him, with him, right? So talking about God, I mean, God is the one that entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. God is the one that says, here we go, folks. This is what you get to go share. But Paul is now touching on the fact that it's a, well, if you, in, in the Greek, it sounds like the word synergy. And if you know what the word synergy means, it's, it's a collaborative group and a movement of energy. And in this sense, Paul is saying, folks, it's when you and me, we work together for the same goal of reaching out so people can know this Jesus. There's a, a friend of mine, Greg Finke, his, who's a pastor, and um, Greg had mentioned John 1.14. He has a ministry entitled Dwelling 1.14. And the heartbeat of his ministry, this is what he does full-time now, is to help people like you and me to have more of a sense of understanding and passion for reaching the lost. But I love the way he says it. He says it this way. Jesus is already on mission. He is not waiting for you and me. He doesn't need it. It's for our benefit that we step into this mission and we become part of this movement of sharing the love of God for people on this earth. And so his book is actually entitled, Joining Jesus on His Mission. So we get to join it. Now where do we hear about this mission? Matthew chapter 28. Now you may know it from what I call the New International Version. That's what I grew up with, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Well, I went to the message version of this, and I love it. So I'm going to put it up there. I just want you to kind of take it in for a little bit. Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave his charge God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in the, same, in the way of life, marking them by baptism in, in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up until the end of the age. Different twist. Same message. He wants us to go. I'd like to invite Blake up. We're going to have a little conversation over here. And you got to see him a little bit earlier, read that scripture from 2 Corinthians. Part of the reason for the direction of the message and part of the reason that Blake's up here, uh, you graduated from high school. Last year. Yep. Last year, all right? And then off to college he goes, Right during a COVID year and all this kind of fun stuff, kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so this next summer, 
he is going to sit around, eat bonbons, and watch reruns of Gilligan's Island. Yeah, well, that sounds fun and all. I kind of have different plans for the summer. Oh, okay. So what are your plans for the summer of 2021? Yeah, so I'll be um, going on a mission trip with an organization called Leader Treks. And so I'll be going to Manchester, Kentucky for 10 weeks and uh, taking kids in on Mondays. And then throughout the week, we'll take them through relational ministry, service projects, adventure day. And throughout everything we do, we kind of teach leadership uh, through the gospel and just because the two coincide. And so uh, we'll send them off then Saturday, get prepped the next couple days, and then bring in a new group on Monday. So we'll do that for 10 so weeks. For 10 weeks? Yep. Yowza. Yeah. And so this is a mission trip. When I heard, heard what he was doing, we're going to do this summer, um, really the question I'm going to ask is why? why? Why do this? I mean, the what, okay, 10 weeks, you're going to be somewhere else, and, but why are you going to do this? Yeah, if you would have told me that I'd be going on a 10-week mission trip, probably when I started school last fall, I would have told you I was, you were crazy. Um, I've heard about people People going tell on. me that all the time. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've heard, I heard about people going on like 10-week, essentially like a camp counselor is what it is, and so heard about that and I was like oh that's good and all but it, it's not for me like that's that's not my thing and I mean I really started reading the word uh, consistently this year and the more you go through it the more the more you kind of pray and reflect on what God's purpose is for you and you go through stories the great commission the story about the young man um, the rich young man who couldn't sell all his possessions and follow Jesus and even second Corinthians 5 and so it's just the more you read, the more it fills you, and, and you kind of feel a calling to yeah. do God's work. One thing I said at the last service, I, I forgot to say here, it's one thing for us to um, go into the Word of God, but it's another thing when the Word of God goes into us. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you make yourself available to the Word of God. In other words, you open it up and you start reading it. God does kind of push and pull and stretch us in new and different ways. And oh. to me, it's... It's really exciting to hear that. So here you have a bunch of brothers and sisters, you know, in the building here at 1C, also online. What words of encouragement can you give to us? Yeah, um, well, I'll be going on a 10-week mission trip. It's not, that's not something everyone has the ability to do. You still have to go to work and, and you have a job. And so I'd like to encourage you guys to, to always be on mission. Um, I like the word in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 20, it talks, says that we are Christ's ambassadors, and so we represent Christ, and, and you guys can do that wherever. Um, we talked about it in our Bible study last Thursday, about how that looks, and it can be, um, you can be a leader, and you, you can be a silent example, and it, it happens not only on mission trips, but in your home, at work, at school, wherever, and so there's, there are definitely many ways to show Christ's love and be an example of what that looks like. Wow. So in a moment, we're going to pray for Blake, but this is also a moment where I'd like to invite any graduate on any level to please come forward at this time, just right up to here. And we're going to pray for Blake and and pray for all of you as you embark. So if we can have the lights up a little bit and um, house lights And if there's anybody else here that is a graduate on any level, please come forward and make your way. And we are going to have a moment of prayer. Okay.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you again. Um, Your love for us, your love for this world is life-changing. And we go through different parts of life and sometimes one chapter ends and a new chapter begins. And the uh, good news is that you are with us from chapter to chapter, from moment to moment. And so for graduates, uh, for Blake as he uh, goes away for 10 weeks, we know that you're going to be with them. And may your hand of blessing be upon them. And may they know, may they know with all their heart, you love them. And Lord, we pray that then they would be the ambassadors. They would go out to wherever you call them and that they would share your love for people. So thank you again for your grace and love for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'd remain right here for a second, Aiden, you too. Uh, Please stand for a moment. I'm going to share the blessing, and then we'll go into our closing song. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble now and thought, how do we ever get so far down? How's it ever gonna turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. Thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven. Said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. Well, I created you. And if not us, then who? Not me and you right now. It's time for us to do something. God's hands and feet, but it's easier to say than to be. Live like angels of apathy who tell ourselves it's alright, somebody else will do something. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of life with no desire. I don't want to blame, I want to fire. I want to be the one who says, I'm going to stand up and do something. Not us, then who? If not me, you right now. It's time for us to do something. And if not now, then.
salt of the earth. We're a city on a hill. By standing still No, we won't stand still No, we won't stand still It's time for us to 